Welcome to the Accidental Fatherhood Podcast with James and Ash. We started this podcast because there isn't a lot of support out there for us guys. We're going through a pretty tough time right now. Yeah. Yeah. Accidents, not mistakes. Unplanned pregnancies and new relationships and what is going on with our lives. So we're trying to bring a little bit of support through some awesome special guests and it's a place to commiserate together. <laughs> and we are rolling. Welcome everyone to our podcast. You're here with James and Ash and another very special guest today is Alan. Alan, would you like to give us a little brief intro about who you are and why, why you're on this podcast today? Who I am? Oh, I think I'm a bit of a bastard, really. Um, <laughs> as far as what I do like for a living. Like our children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think we're straight to the point <laughs> of what I do for a living. <laughs> oh, you guys. Sorry. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> no, keep going. <laughs> um, look, I, as, as you know, James, um, I'm a therapist. I've been a musculoskeletal therapist for about nearly 40 years. So that sort of gives away my age a little bit. Um, I also work in a medical school teaching anatomy. So I hang out with um, dead people a lot of the time. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like fun. I, yeah. And I like the living and the dead. And so I work with medical students in sort of in small groups, help sort of developing their how to think like, start thinking like doctors. That's where I've come from today, and I love it. I love what I do, and, yeah, I just have this crazy sort of um, – I've never thought of it as a career, but I've just – it's what I do. So it's a nice balance between a space of working with people one-on-one and that intimacy in a, in a space and getting to know people and, and then working in groups and then hanging out, learning anatomy with um, – students and loving that yeah and i've had i've had personal experience with those hands of yours um (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah everyone i everyone i know i'm just like you have to see alan he is the best massage therapist i have had in my whole life like it's you know where all the muscles are everything so um, and i've had a lot of massages and yeah you are the number one in my book anyway send me your bank details transfer the money no worries. Uh, thank you. Uh, but the real reason I thought you would be a great guest for us today mm. is because you've been in a similar boat to us. Yeah. Um, twice. Twice? Was it yeah, twice? Yeah. Well, I've been mar- I'm married second time round. Yep. But when I was reflecting, you know, about my first child, uh, Liam, who's now nearly 23 next month, that was unplanned and that was made in India. So I always say, have the joke, made in India, Australian owned, you know, because <laughs> it was born here. And we were, um, as I, look, everything I say is pretty crude, but it's sort of like um, when in India, a lot of people are procreating in India and Liam wasn't on the plan. We were sort of travelling through India and heading north into the Himalayas and then my first wife fell pregnant and it was like, okay, change of plans. And it was like, no, back to England, then back to Australia. And, you know, this may not go down well with my ex-wife, my first wife, but I feel like she was probably not as, not really ready to be a mother. I don't think she had that real natural maternal instinct. How, how old were you both? I was in my 30s, so mid-30s. 
and um, and uh, early thirties actually. I think I was thirty three. Yeah, and um, so that was a challenge because she, you know, we came back to Australia starting from scratch, being away from nearly five years, you know, in Europe and in mostly in England, but in Africa and um, Greece and a few other countries where we lived and in India, and so. It's interesting because my second, my, my, my wife now, my current wife, and I should say second because I feel like I should be on my third, you know, be counting, but she was, she's a beautiful mum and she was just wanting to be a mum and so, but we'd only met for a month before we started a family, you know, and mm. that was Archie. So well, It's quicker than us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Not that it's I a competition. No. Yeah. <laughs> no. So there's hope, for, there's hope for us. There is. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's fifteen years, you know, together now since then. Yeah. So you know. So there's definitely hope for us. Definitely. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Alex is just sitting right here. Uh, yeah, awesome. So, what? Tell us what was going through your mind when you found out she was pregnant. Like, what was going on for you? How first, did you feel? First or second? The time? first one. Oh, the first one. Uh you know, it's a bit of oh shit. You know, like what. You know, we didn't plan for this. We're in in India, and that's just changed the game. And um, it's like this is um, something I ate. Was it? This is why I'm yeah. feeling sick. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, Indian. But, yeah, and quick, was, eat some spicy food. <laughs> <laughs> for a natural abortion. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that works. <laughs> India is like one of the most overpopulated countries. <laughs> I don't think it's the spicy food. I don't no. think that works <laughs> no. at all. Um, you know, it's interesting. We were together for about two or three years. So versus, you know, and then had a child unexpectedly together versus my wife now that we're only together for a month and, you know, had a child unexpectedly. So it was a different sort of scenario. Yeah, well, I feel, I feel like because you've had a child before and you've been through that, this mm. Even though it was only a month, it probably wasn't wouldn't have been as much of a shock to your system as being younger. And this is the first mm. child. It's like whoa, like this is a big deal. Yeah. And look, I, I I do remember what I was thinking when my 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 wife now Alex um, told me she was pregnant. She was actually in the um, Singapore airport. What's it called? Um, the Chenny 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 Airport. And she called me, she did a pregnancy test and she just called me over the phone and I'm pregnant. And it was just like, okay. Here we go I again. Didn't. Yeah, here we go. And I went, look, if this is the worst thing that's going to happen in my life to have a child, then I'm doing all right, I've, you know. Um, and so I, look, I'm a sort of naturally responsible person. I grew up in a family business. I, I sort of took responsibility on it at early age. So I would just... It didn't enter my mind to not go through with it. Um, well, for her, it was Alex's choice, obviously, you know, for her to, to go. And she really wanted to start a family. Um, so it was one of those things that I'll run with it. I'll be responsible. I didn't know we were going to try. We we were going to get together. But yeah, and what, was, just, what was the contraceptive technique you chose that night? <laughs> <sighs> Clearly not good enough. I think it was just on cycle and it just... <laughs> that, hit, that bites you in the arse every time. Yeah, it bites you in the arse. That's three people but, here, yeah. or four, really, <laughs> where the cycle has not worked, guys. <laughs> so, yeah. 
for all those young men out there listening do, going, yeah. the girlfriend's just counting her cycle. Do not. Yeah. Do not rely. It is not no, reliable. No, no deal. Yeah. No deal. But he's pretty hard to hold back from, you know, the moment sometimes. So, you know, as we, know, we all we know, know. We know. We know. <laughs> we've, dis- we've discussed it. <laughs> we can all concur that <laughs> it feels much better. <laughs> so... Yeah. Anyway, that's um. <laughs> yeah, and like, what did it do to you guys' relationship when you were when you feel like this is the first one, and you realise you're oh, yeah. pregnant, and how did you guys cope with that? And was she okay? was she ready to be? A, you said she she wasn't quite ready. I don't think so. I look, my gut. It was never diagnosed, but I think you know, God forbid, she hears this podcast, but you know, she struggled with a bit of postnatal depression. Um, this and is girlfriend number one, sorry. Wife number one. Wife number yeah, one. wife, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that was, it, it was tough, you know. Like we don't, we didn't, uh, neither of us had any immediate family nearby and I highly recommend, you know, having as much family around you as possible as long as they're useful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're actually helpful, you know, because some can, you know, not be helpful and interfere. So um, from what I hear... But my family live in Perth. Um, my wife's family, my first wife's family were English. They lived in England. So we didn't have anyone but friends and, yeah, just friendships to rely upon. And we were sort of one of the first in our tribe to mm-hmm. have children. Yeah. So I don't know about you, but, you know, when you're the first, you know, you're sort of, you're, you're, not, you're in your own loop. You're not sort of connected. People sort of try to empathise and understand what it's like to be a parent and to be at the you know, the mercy of sleeps and But they know, got no routine. idea, do they? <laughs> the tra- no. the trendsetter, Alan. Yeah. And I well I know being on I know being on the opposite side of that because all of my friends now have kids and I'm yeah. the I'm the last one's last man standing yeah. kind of thing. And well not all my friends, I've got a couple that don't, but yeah. all my main circle of friends have kids and I've noticed them drop off I've I've never felt lonelier in my life because they've all got kids and mm. they don't have time mm. to um just <clears throat> have a really solid friendship to catch up all the time that yeah it, and it, they just do not have that they're, they're having enough you know struggle just keeping everything together at home and at work and you know the new family and yeah it's it's hard so i've noticed a lot of my friendships um they're still there but they just they're not in your life as much as as you would love them to be you know yeah and uh yeah i, and I can imagine you being um pregnant and having the child not probably everyone was going on oh, you know haven't heard from alan for a while and you know probably feeling like you know, he doesn't want to see us anymore or he's, you know, he's all in the, but it's a lot of work, isn't it? It's a lot of work. It's a lot of hands-on and it's a lot of juggling. You know, we were both working and luckily we work, you know, we sort of had our, I had my private practice. So I was home a lot, you know, working from home, but it was still, yeah, it just was, relent- you know, it's pretty relentless. You know, when you drop the tools, the work tools, you're on parenting tools and, mm. you know, uh, you know, as I still steal that phrase from the Billabong, only a parent knows the feeling. You know, really, you can love nephews and nieces and pets, you know, a lot, and I get that to a point, but it's just not the same as loving your DNA in front of you. I think that's my experience. Yeah. Someone explained it to me. It's like the the before the birth of Christ kind of thing. It's like before Christ and after Christ. It's like your life life is completely... Yeah, BC. It's it's completely different and... Yeah, your life's going to change forever. Yeah. 
And I listen to my med students talking about their life now and how tired they are. And I'm just going, you've got no fucking idea what you're talking about. <laughs> tired? You don't know the depth of tiredness that you will experience. And they're just, I'm tired, I'm back to routine and I have to go to lectures. And, and God bless them. They're probably going to hear this as well, but it's just one of those things that I, I know, what I, you know, you, you sort of, you know, you, you're me, you start with me and then you're we with your partner and then you're us, you know, that's how I look at it. And it just, it's a transition and everyone goes through it and it's fine to feel that way and you can't experience what it's like to be a parent till you are. So, yeah. yeah. How did you go with work and juggling that? Because I know that like if I work from home, mm. it's just, there's no door, like there's no boundary there. Yeah. It's my partner will fly in and go, need you to look after the bub. Yeah. So I'll be like taking work calls. So you were running a practice, I'm assuming massage. Yeah, massage um, therapy. Yeah. So look, I, I was lucky in that way because my wife, my first wife was a, thera- a therapist as well. So you just, that didn't interfere too often. And sometimes Liam would walk in to the therapy room and, <laughs> and people would love that, you know, uh, you know, to a point. But, um, and then... You know, with my, my younger kids now from my second marriage, it you know, when they were young, I could still sort of parent by, you know, by just proximity being in another room. But, you know, when and if they needed something, they'd just knock on the door and poke their head around and sort of like the idea of them seeing me working and knowing what I did, you know, for part of my living, you yeah. know, um, that I, I just, just, just didn't just disappear for eight or nine hours and then come back and... Hello. Yeah, but what were you up to? You know, like yeah, at least that curiosity is <laughs> yeah. um yeah. Have you got any any tips or insight for people juggling that with a new a new family that you could remember? Something looking back that really helped you, especially probably with more so your first All life. Right. So because I, I'm assuming that was quite challenging yeah. from what you said. Oh look, the the first thing that comes to mind is the um calling on a few mates and it happened very organically where, in fact, I'm catching up with the, both of them tonight watching the footy, the AFL. Um, Mark and Tim, we, I was a couple of years ahead of them, but we just, one night we just went, I just need to get out of the house. Someone was in a crisis, either in the relationship or the kids. And, and so we started meeting at the alley down at Corumban on the park there of a night, Friday, just take a six pack, we played music, we'd play a bit of music, have a chat, and it was sort of like a debrief and it was it was therapy. It was male therapy. And it looked without going into it, it went on for years, that therapy. <laughs> and um and it was like it was very organic. We wouldn't sort of say, oh, every Friday night, it was just like ring each other, look, I need to get out. I'm just I've had a shit week. And we'd go, all right, and we just meet up. And we just got so much out of it, debriefing with man-to-man. Yep. And it, in fact, you know, it wasn't a bitch session or, in fact, I used to come home really feeling grateful for my partner and actually a bit more connected in a way. I didn't sometimes download. It was sort of what set in that little patch of grass stayed You're like, I thought my situation was bad. Yeah. <laughs> but then... Then it was strangely enough, it became, you know, it just went around. So the next time it was like my turn, I was going through a shit, I was just having a shit time and it just naturally went around. But it, we started telling people about our other male friends and they all wanted to join in. 
And we had gatherings up to 40 men and then their sons and our sons who were old enough to sort of look after themselves. They could run around and they didn't need, you know, us to chase them. And we ended up calling it the secret brotherhood of the blah, blah. And it was, it was, it was actually really special and really natural. It wasn't a debrief. It wasn't a men's group. It was a gathering of men just having a beer and we played mute live. A lot of us were musos and we played live music. We had people, you know, we had magicians come who were travelling by doing magic shows. But we had our younger boys with us and now they're fathers. They're in their 30s and they're saying, we want to bring back the blah, blah. We really miss it. And they, you know, they remember it from their either, mm. you know, seven or eight or teenage years. And it's like, really? You really want to keep this going? So we feel like the elders now. Yeah. And I, I know because Damo and Adrian and um, uh, Shadow, Shadow, they all catch up and they have a beer and they do exactly <clears throat> that. And I think it's a really good thing for... They do it on a Tuesday morning though. <laughs> <laughs> Not always a Tuesday morning. But they, yeah, they have a beer and they, they basically talk about, you know, who's had, almost like who's had a shittest week and they yeah. all, whether it's work or whatever, but it, I think just unloading and talking yeah. to your mates and having someone listen mm. and, you know, not feel alone, I think is really, really a good thing for, for friends and guys to do. Well, it's like this podcast too. Mm. Like mm. when I, when we first started this, I was getting messages all the time and you can contest to this, like James, like my teacher should be at home. She's like, can you hurry up and get home? And now, like, as I show up a lot better afterwards and I'm at mm. home and I'm, I really reflect on what I'm doing at the moment. And so now it's like it's almost like Tisha's like, can you do another podcast? Like, <laughs> You need your therapy. <laughs> yeah. You need to take your meds. <laughs> yeah. So it is good. So, yeah, so that's awesome insight. Mm. Yeah. It's, yeah, stay connected to those, you know, that know what you're going through. And they were going through the same thing. Their kids were just a few years younger. Yeah, and ladies, if you're listening, <clears throat> so the partner that's in the room, <laughs> it's really important, I guess, too, to allow yeah. the guys to do that because that's like it is a lot. Um, like speaking on behalf of my partner, it's a lot for her to let me do this every once a week. Mm. You know, so it you know she's at home now with our ten month old, and she's feeding, bathing, and putting yeah. her to bed all by herself, and it's a it's a challenge for them. To allow us to do it, so. And but what for her is it? But is it better for your relationship if you do this? Like you guys, think, you guys are better. I think we're much better off me doing this and mm. or doing something similar um, every week, you know, and coming back mm. more invigorated to help out, do extra stuff. You're doing exactly what we're doing. I mean, yeah. you created this organically from your circumstance and. This is exactly the same number. You're just doing it with a bit more tech around us, you know. <laughs> yeah. And you recording know. it. And recording it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, was, it was therapy. It was medication. And I think I came back a better father. Sometimes I got insight in how to handle things or be a better father, a parent, um, a better husband. And, you know, you don't – it's hard not to compare yourself to your friends and see how they parent and how they deal with their children and how patient they are and – Mm, yeah, because yeah, so you kind of learn from each other as well, as totally. well as relieving yeah. that that pressure. You know, you don't explode yeah. at home. Yeah, you can kind of l let that pressure out a little bit, and also learn from each other. So that's what I. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Pretty that's much. what I'd say. Just, just um, get as much sort of 
support and understanding from people you really trust and admire. And these guys I love to bits. They're brothers to me. So I respect them and, you know, they've all been through now. They're all, you know, going through fairly either a recent separation or they've been, you know, separated for a long time. And it's it's nice to have a past together. You know, we've been through... <laughs> you know, relationships and, and, and their children are grown up now, and, yeah. you know, but I'm still raising two younger ones, 12 yeah. and 14. So going back to the f- little bit of change <clears throat> of the subject, yeah. going back a little bit further, obviously that didn't work out with your first wife mm. and you had to co-parent your first child. What was that like? Really hard, really hard. Um, in fact, well, this is the conversation I was having with my 23-year-old um, a few days ago from Wales on, over the phone. So not ideal to have this conversation where he finally decided to unload with me what it was like to be in that situation with, you know, a new partner, a baby on the way, and um, co-parenting was, um, you know, when we were separated, was really tricky in the end, I said to him, I felt like I had two wives and two families and I was juggling between the two. And there was, in the end, there was like, I think it was nine years between the difference between, you know, my eldest son and my 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 middle son, middle child, well, my, yeah, my new son from the second marriage. Um, and yeah, it was like, oh, what, what would my eldest son liked to do versus what my younger son would do. And it was just this conflict of, you know, well, he doesn't want to do that and Archie needs to sleep and but my nine-year-old wants to go out and, you know, go to the beach or, you know, and I was like, well, I can't do that. And so it was it was really challenging to do to orchestrate that or balance that. And then you've got the two partners, you know, and the ex-wife and the wife and they were very different people, very different you know, and, and very different parents, you know, so did struggle a lot with that. And thankfully, one's out of the picture. I don't <laughs> really have to negotiate with her anymore because mm-hmm. my son's old enough now. I don't really have to connect with her yeah. in any way. And what was the hardest part about that relationship? Was it um, navigating that with your ex-wife or um, just the juggling of the, of the children? Or was it a little bit, a bit of both? A bit of both, um, just different parenting styles. It was... Hard, it, it wasn't easy to parent together when we were together and then when we we're separated it was like you know I think children really know how to divide and conquer you know they go for they'll go for the parent that will give them what they want and that's fair you know that's their deal that's what we do you know so um, but sometimes it was just two different camps and two different sort of styles of parenting vo- styles of parenting and boundaries and values and my son said the other day actually which was one of the nice things to hear is that all my values, you know, I've got come from you, Dad, and that felt great because I think he's got great values. <laughs> <laughs> Not by yeah. <laughs> Can we delete that? That sounds so, so self-absorbed. But anyway. <laughs> um, anyway, I'm pretty but, fantastic. Yeah, I'm pretty. <laughs> if I do say so myself. <laughs> Thanks, sir. <laughs> But look, you don't hear a lot from your kids sometimes. It's a pretty ungrateful, you know, job for a long time, you know, um, you know, till you hear some feedback like that. He's old enough now to say, hey, this is what you were good at and this is what you could have done better. And he gave me a bit of that feedback too, which was I could have been a better pal. 
than a parent. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I struggle with that because I'm your parent. I'm your parent and mm-hmm. I set boundaries and I'll be, I'm happy to be your pal now. That's what I aim for. Like if you want to be my friend and we're, or mentor, whatever, but I really didn't, I purposely just didn't want to be his pal, his friend, you know, while I was parenting him. Mm. That will come later, you know, as yeah. I'm hoping it's happening now as we speak. Yeah. Yeah, no, I guess there's no right or wrong way. You know, well, he found it like I could have done. His feedback was could have been more of a pal. <laughs> yeah. So clearly, yeah, I sort of didn't meet up to that. You know, and does he know about um, him coming into the world unexpectedly? Yeah, I think so. Well, he will now. I think so. Yeah, or get a tattoo on his backside <laughs> saying "Made in India" and the other cheek Australian. Well, we do say yeah. accidents, not mistakes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, look, they're blessings to me. Like I, I can't imagine my life without my kids now. Like. I had two days off this earlier this week because both kids were at camp. My wife went to Brisbane to work for the week, take advantage of that. And as much as I love my own space, my company, I can hang, it felt strange to be in a home without family. It just was weird. But yep. I was like, oh, I'm only doing this for two nights, so I can handle that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, right, so it's like it's, a void. It, it feels like a void. Once you're a parent, it's really, unless you just don't want to be a parent and you're out, you know, you just out of the picture it's it's pretty hard to well i guess it's, it's it that contrast of when you have the kids it's, yeah. it's like like so much yeah. you know like it's so much work that um you it see fills that a space yeah it feels a, a huge space yeah it's um what's that <laughs> is that your phone it is my phone after all the stick he gave us i yeah. can't turn that one off start. it's the office phone oh i don't want to hear it james <laughs> should we just let it ring out <laughs> yeah just let it ring <laughs> We had this, we had um, this chat a while ago when we had the phone ring, remember? Did we? Yeah. And we talked about the scam artists. Oh, out. yeah. Did we cut that out? <clears throat> no, we didn't cut it out. That's all right. We can leave everything Because it's, it's actually totally true. Fine. I'm not being racist in any way. It's the, what happens. Well, but we'll cut it out. I get, <laughs> I get called out. I'm accidentally racist. That's another conversation. Is yeah. An accidental racist. Yeah, and a father. And an accidental father. Well, I say this to my brother-in-law all the time. It's like I'm Australian Mm. and I've been brought up in the 80s Mm. and 90s and it's like you don't know how racist you are until you find out. It's like, oh, my God, I can't believe that what I said was racist. Mm. Yeah, shit. Anyway. um, (laughs) Yeah. So There's cool. a new we podcast for you, Accidental Racist. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'll Coming attract soon. the wrong crowd. Coming soon, Accidental Fatherhood. <laughs> all the rednecks. Yeah. <laughs> accidental Racist. Yeah. Uh, um, so you mentioned, and I don't know if you want to talk about this because it might be a touchy subject, but you mentioned your first wife. Mm. You think that she suffered a little bit from postnatum. Mm. Um, how, was, how was that? How did you bring that up? Was it a subject well-received? Because, you know, like I want to relabel it at the moment because I feel like, you know, I've not only had a touch of experience with this, I don't think my partner's got it, but, Mm. you know, like we we thought maybe she did and it was like, you know, and I raised the subject, like maybe you do have it and it's like that did not go down well at all Mm. and it was like, you know, it's like I'm. She's like I'm just tired. Like, and it's like, yeah, okay. And then even this podcast, I, I realized it's like, yeah, she hasn't had any sleep for uh, seven months. Yeah, she is 
tired. Exhausted. She's exhausted. Mm. So fair enough. Uppercut to myself there. Mm. But um, how did you did you navigate those waters? Um, yeah. We any look, insight there for I, people at May? <laughs> it's it's challenging, right? Look, it's probably unfair of me to even say that she had postnatal depression. I mean, I think there's levels and um, of it and exhaustion and sleep deprivation and. You know, Liam was pretty crap sleeper for two years. It's like, you know, so um, that can put anyone into a feel a bit crazy. Um, I, you know, she was a she was a good she was a good mum. She look, we all do it doing our best. It's sort of my try to come into my default where we're all doing it. We're doing our best with the tools know, we yeah, have, right? with the tools and the energy and the you know that we have. And I try to fall back on that when I'm just losing it or about to lose it. And, um, but, you know, I can compare to mothers, right, in my life. And I really do think Alex would have, if she'd met me earlier, she would have had probably five children, been quite happy with that. You yeah. know, she she loves being a mother. You can, I see it every day, you know. Um, and I love watching her being a mum. And it it's, um, yeah, and she's good at it most of the time. Like, you know, and... You know, I haven't been nominated for any Father of the Year awards. I'm still waiting for that. <laughs> but it's not going to – probably not going to happen in this lifetime. Maybe as a grandfather or be, de- you know, a decent grandfather, you know. But, um, yeah, so I didn't really broach it with her. It's just we just head down, ass up and just get on, you know, do our best. And it did take a toll, on the obviously, on the relationship, you know. Yeah. Um, we separated when he was about seven. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, so you're stuck in there. Try to, yeah. You guys gave it a red hot crack. Yeah, so. yeah. And we grew apart. You know, we just, we weren't the same people that we met when we met each other and just a different dynamic um, was going on. And I think the two things that sort of, that really affect a relationship is trust and respect. Yeah. And we sort of lost that for each other. Mm. Do you yeah. think becoming a father sort of made you guys grow apart? Like, because I know me as a dad is a completely different person to me pre-dad. Mm. And it's like, so like I focused and I'm, I'm lucky, like my partner. And we had that conversation really early on, like within the first couple of weeks of dating. Like, oh, I think mm. you would be a good mum, mm. you know, so I'm not too stressed about you counting the cycles in saying that I wasn't expecting it this quickly, but... Mm. You know, and she is. She's an, an awesome mum. But, yeah, do you think that that may have changed you upon reflection? Like, is that something that you think, you know, how, like you said, you grew apart? Do you think that maybe that's because you stepped it up, I guess, as a dad and really grew into the dad thing and then maybe, you know, um, it was not as well received? Or maybe, mm. I don't know, like a, something that has come up a couple of times in, our, in the podcast is, you know, dads often will go, okay, I've got to provide, so I'm going to go work <laughs> like an extreme. Totally. And then they're not there mm. for the relationship mm. or the child because they're thinking, oh, I'm going to provide, got to provide, got to provide. Like, mm. do you think that that might have been something that you fell in the trap of? Or Oh, most no. definitely. I, I remember when we were like sort of building the nest, we came back to Australia, hadn't been in the country for Five, nearly five years, yep. you know, having a baby within sort of six months. And it was like, you know, I was full-time a therapist then. And so honestly, anyone that was in arm's reach of me, I started to mess up. I was just like wanting to 
Touch everybody. Touch it, you know, <laughs> touch everyone, but also, you know, just make as much money as I could. I just wanted to provide. And it comes natural natural to me to be responsible and just out of curiosity, yeah, yeah. Who, who's the most famous person you've given a massage to? Ooh, am I allowed to say? Are you allowed to say? <laughs> who's the most famous yeah. that you're allowed to say? Uh, probably James Colson. <laughs> yeah, James, yeah. James is up there in the top five. Hugh Jackman, I'd say. Oh. Yeah. I turned gay for Hugh Jackman, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you turned gay for me, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. But, yeah, he's probably probably the, you know, the right. most famous person. And then all lots of Australian celebrities, but internationally, I'd say he would be. There was Nic- Nicole Kidman and what was her partner's name, her husband's name? Tom Cruise. He- no, not Tom Cruise. <laughs> After um, Tom Cruise, you know, the, the, oh, the, the singer. The singer. West, yeah. Yeah. Um, Mm. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Keith, Keith, Keith Urban. Urban. Yeah, Urban. Keith Urban. <laughs> yeah, Keith Urban. Thanks for the audience. Thank you. Um, I had an opportunity to treat them, but I just couldn't be. I was on my holidays and went, you know, like, you know, can't be bothered. You know, I don't care who it is. I want yeah. a hol- I need a holiday. Yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, they're good people. And it must be like at, when you get to it, it's just, you know, it's a, like a, almost like an organic machine. You just, it doesn't matter who they are, right? It's the same doesn't. It doesn't matter. I, I honestly enjoy everyone's company. He was a really cool guy and um, really warm. Sort of feels like what you see, you know, in interviews and that is genuine. genuine. Yeah. And, in fact, I met his wife, um, Deborah Lee Finesse, in a physiotherapy clinic where I worked in Melbourne, you know, whatever, for nearly 40 years ago when she was at the top of her sort of acting career and she had broken an ankle from a motorbike injury on a set and she was seeing my mate Brett, my mentor Brett, um, for physio. So, and, yeah, so it was sort of like, you know, she didn't remember me from a bar of soap, but, you know, it was like, (laughs) we've met. (laughs) I don't care. But, yeah, they're a cool couple. Yeah. Yeah. This is Hugh Jackman. Yeah, Hugh Jackman. What's the age difference there? It's not not that big. It's It's not not huge. He's Maybe just aging. Years, he's just aging really well. He's aging gracefully. Yeah, he's got a body of a Greek god. Yeah. Amazing. Hopefully, he hears this. He's got fast healing factor because <laughs> yeah. he's Wolverine, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. I knew there was going to be a Wolverine <laughs> reference there. <laughs> I just knew it. Yeah, he's awesome. James's favorite. He's awesome. Your favorite or Phil's? Now Phil's, but still. Is he? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, nice. Love, love Wolverine. No. Anyway, so um, they massaging Hugh Jackman. Way better than massaging dead people? Uh, I don't massage dead people, no. Oh. I wouldn't go there. I wouldn't go there. <laughs> they don't give much feedback and... Bit stiff. And they're, yeah. <laughs> no, no happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> but I have treated a few people that I felt like there's, you know, it wasn't muscle spasm, it was rigor mortis that had set in. So, you know, there was, you know, there's sometimes the other way around. <laughs> there's been a bit of stiffness going on. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, where do we go from there? <laughs> <laughs> Back to the living. Yeah. Killer conversation. <laughs> Is that a pun? <laughs> Full of them. <laughs> oh, where yeah. do we go to? Well, I think... Um, What's the second... Sorry, your second wife. Yeah. Um, so you sort of admitted that you went into your work when you found out that you were pregnant. Um, mm. And you built your you built your space, and then yeah, there's the nine years apart mm. um, from that. So obviously, well established business that you had. Mm. Did you feel like um, 
being already set up and having the your next child was much easier to cope with and deal with? Do you think that? Yeah, well, look, it was my second child and Alex's first child. So that was like, you know, navigating that. Um, she, you know, I the main thing for me, I think, being a father, father the first was I wanted the mother to stay if we could afford it. Yep. To, we could survive on one income and they could be, if they wanted to be, stay-at-home mum and, you know, just full, fully parent. Um, and I was, I was great with, you know, I was good with that because I just, you know, ideally um, I think, you know, no one loves your child more than your own, you know, more than yourself. So um, the thought of childcare at, a, you know, six weeks or sometimes, you know, was just wasn't a thing for me. Yeah. Um, and so, um, yeah, I think uh, that there was a lot of pressure on in those years, those early years, to be the provider and to be, um, yeah, just be the provider and then have the energy to come home and parent and partner. And I think the demise of my first relationship, my first marriage, was the fact that we just didn't have enough energy for each other yep. after work and mm-hmm. the kid and, and it was just... We just didn't, yeah. We just didn't have the energy. Yeah, because yeah. she was working too. She was, she, yeah. She started working too, and we didn't have any family. Yeah. Not much, much uh, respite, you yeah. know, apart from mothers' groups, and so, and a lot of our friends hadn't had children, so we we didn't have that sort of understanding, that support network. You know, they came on, you know, a few years later, but you've done the hard, sort of a lot of the hard yards in the first couple of years. Yeah. Yeah. But it changes. It's not the same. It's different. Like you think you've done the hard yards, but then it's a different type of hard yards and then different type and then teenage years. And, but it's, it is what it is, you know. <laughs> were they all very different, the children, when you, as babies? Were they all quite um, like very unique or was, were they quite, like, were some easier than others or were they all fairly, mm. do, you, do you remember the... <laughs> I think if you remember daffodils or dandelions, I think if you remember too much, you wouldn't have another child. You know, like you, it's funny how you mm. just I only remember so, the good times. You survive that, and you know, you go, let's go for another one. And my second wife wanted to have a second child, so Archie would have a closer sibling than you know his, you know, my first son. And um, so that was the only child we planned. But can I think of who was easier? Honestly, can't remember. <laughs> that's, a, that's that's good. It's a bit of a blur. Yeah, and it just got you. Just get on with it. Whatever's easy, whatever's hard. You know, there there are patches, and they're all different. You know, like my eldest son was a biter. You know, um, when he got into, you know, in some of those preschools or those kindies, and he was biting other kids, and but the other ones weren't. You know, and they all have their different sort of challenges and styles and they're really different children now like mm. you know i can see their personalities you know out there and they're very different yeah so go figure yeah and um when did liam move overseas or was he just traveling at the moment? no well he's he's lived in sri lanka for nearly coming up to five years and so you know he was only he lined up the job on the internet yeah in the interview aussie guys who owned this surf camp he's a surf surf instructor, videographer, photographer, and he's just made things happen there. And um, he's currently in Wales, I think, fallen for a Welsh girl that he mm-hmm. met in Sri Lanka, but he's coming back to Sri Lanka, I think, in October. So yeah, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's good. He's he's living a life, you know, and living an adventure and learning a lot about himself and relationship. But I think this girl, um, Maze, is he's really solid with her. He seems mm. he said, "Dad, I'm really happy," and that's ultimately what you want your kids to feel and be with someone that they feel vibrant and happy. Yeah, he's really stoked. And how, have you seen him recently? Like when I haven't was, seen him for two and a half years or more. Thanks, probably three thanks years. to COVID. A bit of COVID and just, just life. life and, you know, my responsibilities here and my family here. He, he's planning coming over next uh, early next year, yep. hopefully. He does miss Oz and, um, yeah, I'd love to see him, but I'm not sort of – I don't put any pressure on him to say, hey, we, you know, time to come home. I just wouldn't do that. I just like you need to be there. When there's something in Australia for you to come back to, come back to it. If you just want to visit us, great. Whatever you know, whatever works for you. Yeah, yeah. And where's mum? Where's his mum? Is actually in Sri Lanka too. Oh, okay. So that's a good thing, you know. Like they're very close, and it's nice to know that there's family there, and something happens. So I'm good with that, you mm. know. Yeah. And you know, I can fully focus, you know, my 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 family here, you know, and that's nice, you know, in mm. some ways. Yeah. I miss him. Like it's like part of you is in another country. Yeah. You know, you'll know that and you'll know that too. Yeah, yeah. James, when the time comes, you know. Yeah, I've already said that I don't want my kid to get the travel bug. I'm like, oh, man, I hope she doesn't. (laughs) Girls do, man. Girls will. I know. Yeah. I've already – and I dropped her on the head. Well, I shouldn't say I dropped her on the head. She (laughs) fell off the bed the other day. I'm like, oh, no, she's gone from a lawyer to a bloody air hostie. Used car and, salesman. Yeah. <laughs> well, I went straight to their hostess. I'm like, that's it. I'm going to see her when she's 23 yeah. now. <laughs> it's amazing how they, they really recover really quickly. You freak out the first time they fall off the bed and you think they've got my, my child's got brain damage and you chuck them on the booby and they're right as rain. Well, my partner wasn't home. Oh. So she was working. So my partner's had to go back to work because yeah. um, we weren't set up at yeah. all with mm. this pregnancy so that's sort of hence all the questions um mm. but yeah so she was at work and it was like one of my first days and i've put her on the bed and she wasn't crawling at this stage um but she was yeah. moving around a bit rolling and yeah. so i've put her on the bed and i've turned around and just put a jumper on and i was sitting on a chair and then she's just managed to like sit up for the freaking first time and then just boom straight and i've just i don't even know if i quarter mid-air it's all a blur but and then i went straight into like body checking and I'm like with the torch like checking pupils and stuff <laughs> and then you know after it all dissipated and stuff i'm like what the fuck am i doing i've got no idea <laughs> like i don't yeah. know how to do a pupil check yeah. <laughs> like what, what am i doing <laughs> and then i'm like i'm like just looking at uh rang one of my friends who's got three kids i'm like this has had this has happened to you what do i do should i go to the hospital or am i overreacting and they're like they're like judge you'll be fine like mm. yeah she's just keep an eye on her that's all yeah. that's all they tell you to do how old was she uh probably six months yeah or so and then like i got like tish got home and i was like i'll just see if she notices anything different like i was waiting for the do you think she's a bit slower today babe like i was waiting for that <laughs> sort of Comment and then uh, she, you know, an hour went past. And I'm like, well, she, yeah. she no, mm. Tisha hasn't noticed anything. I was like, mm. oh, hey, babe. Um, yeah, I told her, by the way. Yeah. And Tisha was like, oh, it's fine. It happens. Yeah. I was like, oh, 
my yeah. God. I thought, yeah. yeah. It just happened with you in, just when, when you were on duty. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it was challenging. That was a challenging day. And it is hard yeah. because you don't know. You, they don't communicate. So you can't say, are you okay? Yeah. You, is anything hurting? They're just mm. crying. I know Phil, a little Archie, fell over a couple of weeks ago. And he fell over on, um, it was just, you know, just out the front door. It was not down any steps or anything. It was just like, bang, fell over, got up. And feels like, oh, he's fine. But he's going, like, Archie, he was really upset about it. He's like, ah, mm. oh, oh, kiss it better, kiss it better. Mm. Like, kiss the arm better. And Phil goes, yeah, all good, all good. And he goes, no, kiss it better, kiss it better. And it's like, he doesn't usually say, keep kissing it better. He must really, I don't know what he did. Um, and he felt the arm. He's like, I know, it feels fine. It feels mm. fine. They went for a walk and thought nothing of it. And then when Phil went to the uh, daycare or the um, wherever they take the kids, childcare, childcare, childcare. Mm. and you know you have to um, tell them everything that's been happening, just mm. so they so they're aware of everything that's happening, so they take no kind of um, responsibility. responsibility for anything that's gone wrong. So sign here, yeah, sign here. What, yeah. what has happened? And they mentioned that he fell over and he hurt his arm. Mm. And then that day they saw that he wasn't using his arm very much, and like, oh, mm. you, you, you know, Archie isn't losing losing his arm. Sorry, using his arm very much. So, ended up taking him to the hospital. And he had a green, he had a green break green, or a green fracture, green stick fracture. Yeah, fracture. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, they had no idea, but he was he was out of sorts for the next few days after that um, fall, mm. and he was like inconsolable and quite, you know, crazy, like yeah. a bit crazy. Okay. Yeah. It just reminds me how much, you know, the parents are the first healers in your children's life. You know, they're kissing it better. I say that to my medical students. The first healers you've ever met therapists you've ever met are your parents it's amazing what a kiss will do right how magical is that kiss you know mm. to pretty much heal so many things but breaks green sticks no no <laughs> definitely not yeah but I, I don't know if how many parents are out there that have not taken their kids to hospital with fractures on one you know you just let you sort of watch for weight and you go all right it's not getting better maybe we need to investigate this a little bit more so it's pretty normal. It's hard to tell, as you say, because of the communication isn't yeah. there and to say it actually hurts, you know, to move yeah. my wrist or whatever. You know, you say, where's it hurting your tummy? And they'll go, here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> here. Whatever. Yeah. It's just like, you know. Even, you, with, you even, with, even with myself, I'm like, I'll just see if I'm okay in a couple of days. I could give yeah. it a couple of days and see if I'm, it's not any better. I'll yeah. do something. But, yeah. yeah. Well, I am an advertisement for pushing for an X-ray. Because I've got a busted hand. Because yeah. I broke my hand or my wrist. And it was like an airline fracture. Mm. And the doctor didn't x-ray it. Mm. And then six months later, it started to really hurt. Mm. And there's a cyst growing out of the fracture yeah. in my hand. Uh-huh. And it's they can't operate because they'll like they, they'll do more damage. Is this recent? This is two like, years or three oh, years ago now. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. usually wear a brace, but I've, I've got to get a new one made up. Wow. So, yeah, it sucks. So in a, always in the bone, a couple bone. Uh, man, I don't know. Don't know. Ulna? Is it the ulna? ulna? Okay. The tip? Yeah. Maybe. Is it the end of your um, the yeah, wrist. The little, it's it's like there's something growing wow. out into like I don't know, man. Is it like a bone spur? Or? It hurts yeah. here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. So, okay. and it's nonstop. Wow. Like, yeah, it sucks. So if you got yeah. any tips, feel For free to to help to help a oh, brother out. Maybe. Feel free. Yeah, okay. So, and the worst thing is, is <laughs> like I do a, I do an a, appointment. I will. Um, the worst thing is I, I do, a, mm. like I get assessments on it and, yeah, anyway, they're like, nah, look, you can full range. And I'm like, yeah, but mm. Ali's. 
So, yeah, yeah. I'm a child. <laughs> um, do you do, talking about massage, yeah. do you do pregnancy massage? I do occasionally. Okay. I do occasionally and I love it. I think it's a real honour and it's a privilege and I don't think, a, you know, with all respect to women out there, I think, you know, seeing a pregnant woman is one of the most beautiful forms of a woman you'll ever see, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my Pilates instructor is pregnant and one of the girls in my Pilates group is 40, well, like nearly due. If I don't see her next class because we've got the Queen's birthday Grieving. Queen's birthday. Oh, sorry, Queen's <laughs> birthday. <laughs> Queen's day of mourning. Oh, my God. <laughs> All those English Death. listeners are going, Death. oh, my God. Yeah, oh, my God. And then we get um, to celebrate a birthday. They're not taking that away from us. No, Ooh. yeah. So. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's beautiful. And I don't see that, that the many. Queen died. The queen died. No, no. <laughs> pregnant women, pregnant women, to massage them and to help them. But you know, it just depends what stage of gestation they're in, whether I, they can lie down or be seated or lying sideways. Yeah, it's been great. now. Alan, settle something for me. Mm. Is it? Um, because my partner was when she was pregnant. I was like, I don't want to push because you can push too hard, right? In certain spots. So she was like, can you massage me? I've got like really tight shoulders, Around really tight back abdomen. or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, man, well, I friggin' I hate massage. I can't massage. It throws my hand out. So I'm like mm. doing sh- elbows and stuff. And I'm like, mm. there's no way I'm touching you. Is there any tips for guys? I mean, it's- or do you recommend seeing a get us all off the hook here, Al? Yeah. And <laughs> like, recommend seeing... A well, look, ideally, ideally, probably it's going to be more comfortable for them to be, you know, on a, a sometimes that, you know, there are pregnancy mats that they can lie on and lie comfortably on their stomach, which mm. is pretty rare. Um, so, look, ideally, book a massage, pay for their a treatment, some sort of spa treatment with someone experienced and specialises in it. But really massage and bodywork can be pretty bomb proof. Like, you know, the baby is extremely well protected and pretty hard to you know if your intentions isn't you know if your intention intention isn't to harm the baby it's unlikely you ever will but if you intend to of course you know it'll make a you could yeah you yeah. possibly could but i've never heard of a therapist okay you know from especially from the back if you're massaging the back and the shoulders there's yeah very unlikely because the girls they go through a lot hey and like yeah, they have to carry. Well, and the the whole structure changes. Like, Alex oh, is center having, of gravity changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Poor Alex is going through a bit of um, just pain at the moment, lower back and pelvis, and you know you've, you've been treating her as well. Yeah, yeah, and I have been, and it's look. I don't know that ex- I haven't had that experience, obviously, but um, you know things are softening and widening and just getting ready, especially as you're getting closer to the the day. Um, so. You know, there's joints that are starting to sort of, there's a hormone called relaxin that release, you know, that you release too. So your pelvis does open up and allow, you know, your baby to pass through your pelvis. But it's my first, Liam, my first child was an emergency cesarean. Mm-hmm. So we went from a home birth with a lovely midwife, <laughs> you know, doing it in my practice room. We had the pool set up to shit, she's not dilating enough. Plan B, 
we didn't even know we were going to... We ended up going to Tweed. We, we were planning to go to Mwollomba, but their theatres were closed. They were getting some sort of renovation or something repaired. So I was like, shit, now we're going to Tweed. We, we didn't even check out Tweed. And um, so, you know, um, uh, you can have a birth plan, all good, well and good, um, but how the, the baby has the ultimate plan in its hands or, mm-hmm. you know, going, this is the way I'm going to come into yeah. real life. It's interesting. I think I went off topic there. but nah, that's, no, all no, right. that's all on topic. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any more home births? Uh, no, they were all actually the last two. My, my, my wife, my second wife, my current wife is, had, um, two at Moorwollombar Hospital and she, you know, Archie, her first child, she just, I think she had two push, two or three pushes and it was crowning and it was done and dusted really quickly. She's pretty competitive, my wife. (laughs) Fast game's a good game in their family. Um, so she, you know, she was a natural mother from the get go from, you know, from carrying the baby to birthing the baby and and Archie and and you know parenting so and Lucy was pretty much the same but just later in the day in the afternoon so it was just a longer day it's a bit more tiring um but um yeah there were both uh, hospital births but natural you know no very little intervention how, yeah. how, how were they both during the pregnancy did you find how they like their personality or how they you know, because of all the, everything that's going on for their body and the mm. hormones, did you find them acting any differently than they usually would? Mm. No, not really. Not not great. For, other than fatigue and tiredness and, you know, they didn't turn into sort of horrible, <laughs> horrible, <laughs> overly horrible people. <laughs> not any more than I can with, you know, not resting or being tired, you know. Um, so... <laughs> Not that it really stands out. Things that, you know, stick with you, you mm-hmm. remember. And I don't remember that being, you know, think, a horrible thing to go through. Yeah. yeah. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you ask, James? Yeah, James, what do you have to unload? <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I, know, I guess, you know, some people uh, like have trouble with the pregnancy. Like some people struggle a lot, like have morning sickness every day. I know yeah. my mum, when she had us, she had morning sickness every day. And she's like, something's wrong here. I don't know. Mm. I didn't have, you know, when I had my first brother mm. um, or her first, her first child, is like, I wasn't sick every day. Like yeah. there's something different going on with this one. Twins. But I kind of, twins. Yeah, twins. Yeah. But I can't imagine, you know, how that feels to be nauseous every single day. It must feel horrible my first wife was you know as i said you know you know liam was conceived in india and we ended up in Pune on our way to mumbai to get back to england but we had to spend a month in mumbai and she was throwing up three or four times a day in the apartment she never left the apartment for a month Mm -hmm. because the smells of india just even for indian women they struggle you know they get so you know your your sense of smell is so heightened you know when you're Mm -hmm. pregnant apparently and um, so she lost eight and a half kilos, um, which was handy because I was in excess luggage when we checked in out of Mumbai <laughs> and I got eight and a half kilos off my excess luggage allowance. I saved a bit of money. <laughs> that was the bonus there. And my, my, my wife, um, when, when we were sort of hanging out, you know, that month, she, there was a few times where she was like, oh, I don't feel well, you know, like I felt a little bit 
nauseous and I you know it did enter my mind she could be pregnant and I you know I just wanted to throw that (laughs) straight you know in the bin Mm -hmm. you know bin that but sure enough that was what was going on. Oh, know. so this was when you, you found, sec- before you found out? Yeah, before I found out. She had a few moments where she was a bit queasy and I went... Indian mm. food. No, this is in Australia. Oh, this, this is, is my second, second wife. Oh, right. yeah, so yeah. it's hard to keep track of my wife. You know, <laughs> Lebanese. We have many wives. <laughs> <laughs> um, Could be uh, the wine then perhaps. Yeah, have I, have I shared this on the podcast before about when... Um, so. Tisha and I, we, I was on income protection. I was like, let's just go traveling around Australia. I'm never mm. going to get this chance again because mm. I just lost my job. Mm. And so we were, we were both surfing. We were learning how to surf and like we were both committed right. to yeah. surfing every day. And it was like the one thing that I could find that I could do with my hand um, because I couldn't do the gym. So it was limited. But anyway, so Tisha's just got this new board. And she's out on it all the time. She's like, oh, my nipples are so sore. And it entered my mind too. And I'm like, nah, babe, it's just the board rash. Oh, like, Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. just board rash. And then, <laughs> no. Yeah, that was denial. And she's like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes yeah. sense. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway. yeah. Well, I think even like when, when we were in our first trimester, Alex got food poisoning and we're like, you know, is everything going to be okay? Because I think yeah. it can be a little bit of an, an issue if it's not if it's salmonella or something more serious. Mm. So we had to go to the hospital and just make sure that everything was okay with her. Yeah, I think it does into your mind. I've, I've my sister's Down syndrome. My younger sister is Down syndrome, so I've come from a background of having a sister, a sibling with a disability, and you know, all you pray for is, you know, I'm not deeply religious, but I. You know, the moments where I have been, you know, where I've sort of asked whatever God's listening in to, you know, just want a healthy whole child. And, you know, that, those thoughts can it will definitely enter your mind if you're – because you're out of the loop, so to speak. The, mm-hmm. the mother's carrying the child and we're just observers and I just, you know, for me I think that's quite natural to fear some of the yeah. – what you see out there and the fear certain things that may or may not happen. Affect, you know? affect that. Yeah, because yeah. that's one thing, I you know, you just want – 10 fingers, 10 toes kind of thing uh, and, you know, really healthy, happy. And I, I, just, mm. I say those affirmations as well when I'm meditating. I'll, yeah. After meditation, I'll just yeah. go, please have a happy and healthy, beautiful baby. I yeah. say girl, yeah. but I'm happy with whatever I have. Just be grateful. But it's, 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 it's great like to, to, um, to see your child come into this world. It will be a, a great moment in your life. It will be, it will be awesome. It'll be awesome. Yeah, how did you go with that? So, well, why? the first one looked like an alien coming out of a stomach <laughs> because it was, it was surreal. Like in a theatre, you had theater. a little bit of prep though too. Like you were okay with the body. I'm assuming that you yeah. had seen some some stuff already in your, in your training. Yeah, so. but no, yeah, I hadn't seen a cesarean, and we had a a registrar Indian lady who was a bit of a bitch. Actually, she gave us a really hard time, <laughs> and. She because was because we were trying birth. to do the home birth, <laughs> yeah. and she was trying to find out who the midwife was, and you know we were yeah. really vulnerable. Like your first child, you don't, you know, you're just at the mercy of if you need medical atten- you know, support, you're at their mercy, and they just want to jump in there. I think things have changed too. You know, in 20 years, midwives are a lot more involved, and you know, uh, you know, the obstetricians and the medical are only intervene if there's you know, something serious, you know. My, we had a, an obstetrician for my second child, Archie, with my, you know, my, my, my wife now, 
And he just sat in the chair in the corner and just watched it. Ate and popcorn. I, yeah, Jesus. basically I went, great job, mate. You're like, you know, you did fuck all, but yeah. you were there just in case. And yeah. it was actually a, a Bond medical student and a midwife that delivered our child, our second child. Yeah, so we, we did um, hypnobirthing oh. with Megan Amore yeah. um, out at Corumban. Mm. She was awesome. And when we went to the birthing suite, it was like, um, you know, they were – so Tish went in there earlier that day and she's like, no, I don't know, I feel a little bit uncomfortable at the moment. I don't know, something happened. And they're like, oh, babe, bub's got a bit of an irregular heartbeat mm. at the moment. So um, so that had happened the day before. And it was just a passing comment that Tish had made and it wasn't even anything, like there was nothing. And then because we were in there that night or that, that day or Tish was in there that day, that was on our record. So they're like, oh, we got to do constant fecal monitoring. Mm. And so Tish was like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll consent to that. And um, when we first got in there and like you listen to this heartbeat and it's just like boom, 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 like 170 beats per minute. Yeah. And I found the whole energy in the room was elevated because we're listening to this freaking heartbeat. Mm. And it got to the stage where we were like, no, let's just go back to our birthing plan that we had made. And we're like, nah, get rid of that. And let's just do our thing. We played soft music and everything. And then once we sort of stepped up and explained to the medical staff mm. that, hey, we sort of know what we want, we know what we're doing, we're educated, they were like, mm. oh, okay, they, they sort of backed off. But mm. the, the first midwife that took us in was really forceful. Lights. Camera. <laughs> the lights came on. Um, but, yeah, so why well, James thought that out. Um, but, yeah, it was like it was very, you know, like you guys don't know what you want, we'll tell you what you want. And then yeah. when we actually sort of forced ourselves, so did you guys have much of a birthing plan given your medical background, background. or uh, was look, it more so with, I mean, you obviously went home birth, so the yeah, first one. first one was home birth, ended up into the medical, you know, medical emergency, emergency caesarean. Yeah. So it felt like we we're out of control of that situation. The yep. second two were all pretty straightforward, just in a hospital though, but in a, you know, wasn't a five-star. You know, Moorlambo Hospital's classic though. It's beautiful in the ward. You get to stay in the ward as long as you like. And um, we didn't really, we had the any, well, we had anything we wanted, you know, but the midwives were great and um, uh, only intervened when, they needed to or supported us basically yeah so yeah. um it was good way better than the first you know from liam you know like who just was that was surreal because you're in a white theater everything's sterile and it's just you you know it's not hands-on you're not involved you're just watching an observer watching yeah. a baby come through the you know when you say hands-on what does that mean not hands-on. Is when you're delivering a natural birth, you're a little bit more involved, and you what, can help. You, deliver. you are. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah. you can be. You can, were you involved? You can catch the bab. Yeah, man. I, <laughs> I, had, don't, um, I don't know if I'm up for that. Yeah, yeah. I had a camera in one hand, a torch in my mouth, and like the shower, <laughs> the shower in the other hand. Like, really? Oh yeah. And then the you have a GoPro. I tried to do the GoPro, but <laughs> I made the mistake of not sorting out how to film it. Yeah. For, and so I'm like trying to stuff around the GoPro and Tisha's trying to just chill out in the bath and she's like, shut up. <laughs> and then, so I gave the GoPro up and just shot it on my, on my iPhone. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And then they, mm. they're like, hold this torch because they didn't think Tish like went down and she's like, I'm breaching here. Mm. And they're like, no, you're not. 
like the whole the her whole pregnancy, Tish was like, "I'm doing this. This is happening," mm. and they're like, "No, it's a bit too early." And and I'm there going, listening to the medical professionals. I'm like, "Yeah, babe, like you know, you're a bit excited here." Fair enough, first birth, like, but listen to the listen to the pros, mm. and she just proved proved us all wrong every single turn to make us she, look like an idiot. She knew what was going on. She knew exactly what was going on, and then yeah, and she delivered without any intervention at all. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's which amazing. was a massive effort uh, anyway. But um, the point that well, the question I wanted to ask. So you said um, when you see it come out, when you see the bub come out and mm. arrive, you were like instant. Was that instant love for you? Because my brother-in-law said, mm. oh, he cried as soon as it happened. He's mm. like, oh, and, you know, I, I'm not, I wasn't like that. I mm. was like, I still was in a bit of shock, I guess. And I'm like, mm, this hasn't happened yet. Like, this is still not real for me, you know. And so I think, um, I think the message that I sort of want to get across is like, mm. it was okay. It's okay for me not to feel like that. And I wondered if there was other people out there that, you know, didn't have that instant connection mm. or was it for you, was it just instant? Somewhere in the middle, I think. It, I think it's a spectrum, you yeah. know, for me. And I think the uh, Liam, who was the emergency Caesar, was definitely not, I didn't sort of, it wasn't that intimate, pers- you know, close experience. It was just this crazy um, medical uh, journey and um, you had to sort of wait to get hands on and 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 connect with Archie. I don't remember falling in a heap and crying and you know just being overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah, I felt love and I felt really happy and grateful that my child had you know mm-hmm. ten fingers, ten toes, looked whole from the you know from the get go. Um, so and probably a, a lot of relief, you know. Because yeah. it is a it's step, big build it's up. a big unknown, mm-hmm. and like we didn't know the birth, we didn't know the sex of the child either. Um, yeah. Sort of just quite happy. Did you know the sex of the child? Know? Yes. Yeah. Um, we're trying to wait, but our obstetrician mm-hmm. said, said used the pronoun he the other day. Yeah. So that kind of like. Oh. But they could also refer. We did the test. Mm. Um, them. Them. <laughs> they. They. Them. They. <laughs> we're having twins. What? <laughs> What are your chances of having twins, being a twin? I don't think it's high. I think it's usually skips a generation. So oh, okay. usually your grandchildren or her, mm. my child's child will have twins. I yeah. want twins. I'm so still bad. trying to work out if I want to be uh, hands-on or like Wizard of Oz behind the curtains. I think hands-on yeah. is... Did you do hands-on? Oh, well, I don't think you'll have a choice. What do you mean? See what she needs. See what you yeah. know, that yeah, she asks for. I know. Because you, know? you haven't done any birthing classes yet, have you? Yeah. No, it, it's all a little bit foreign to me. <laughs> are you guys just, oh, just going to be like going for the day and be like, hey, we're pregnant and then like just hope that they tell you what to do? Well, you guys got birthing classes planned? Mm, do you know? We don't or have anything planned at the moment. The obstetrician? Because we didn't she, have, yeah, she, She's talking to an obstetrician, but she has, I don't think Alex has decided whether it's public or private yet. I think, mm. I think we're going private because we're both privately funded, but... I don't know. And I think we'll definitely do some sort of prep. Yeah. Like I'm a, like I'm a planner. Yeah, you guys mm. are both pretty Pretty plan, plan yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't know if I want to see it all. It's just uh, maybe I do, maybe I don't. At the moment I'm feeling no. Mm. <laughs> but it depends what Alex wants. But yeah, like, yeah I just don't know. It's, yeah. I've seen a few videos and I'm like, oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. Get pretty messy. Gets yeah. Pretty, yeah, bloody shit show. Isn't <laughs> it? Well, we, that was a good thing about the hypnobirthing is they showed you all these like really lovely 
birthing experiences. So mm. you naturally just went, it's mm. going to be okay. Mm. You know, mm. like there was no icky stuff. Like, <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and yeah, our pregnancy was great. Like there was nothing too gross. Actually, no, there was nothing Ex- gross. Except for you ate no. the placenta. I did you? Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You're the first person I've met that actually. Yeah, I got it capsulated. Oh, okay. You, you can go <laughs> get it processed and capsulate it. Like it yeah, it's pretty fun. So, oh, man, I never knew what it looked like. Okay. I know what and that looked like. It yeah. was fucking gross. Like a jellyfish. Yeah. yeah. It was. Yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> Just like a really bad pizza. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, like vomit on bad pizza. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, um, like an organ. It is. Well, yeah. it is. Yeah, it's and um, yeah. like I didn't sit there with a knife and fork and grill it up or anything, <laughs> like an animal. I got it. Invite your friends over for a barbie. Yeah, yeah, because I always thought it was just the sack. Yeah, that they come out in, and it's not. Yeah, and anyway, um, and yeah, I think that's fine print for the girls too. Like, oh, by the way, you got to birth a placenta after you birth the. The yeah. child, and obviously it's a lot. Chicks oh. would know all about it, though. Girls would know that. Yeah, wouldn't they? Most cases, most so, cases, yeah. chicks, yeah. Are, chicks are all over, done the research. Yeah, yeah. With this us guys, because your baby like, uses it as like a pillow and all sorts of weird <laughs> shit. So, but it's their life force, you know. There's their nutrition, and so they, you know, midwives will look at that placenta and check it out because mm. that really tells you a lot. Yeah, about so the that baby. was that yeah. was my first um, meeting of the placenta. Right. Was when the mm. midwife was like, oh, I've just got to check over it. And then she's like, Can I grab your camera so I can take a photo of it? Yeah. Um, and it's like, What the fuck is going on here? Got and then pics. Yeah, I do. They're <laughs> gross. Um, and, but yeah, and then she like, they, they froth on it. Like mm. it's yeah, like they yeah. make it into like a tree and you can get prints and all sorts of stuff. Like they make a heart out of the umbilical cord, right? They did make a heart out of did the Did you umbilical. leave the umbilical cord on, like let it drop off? But you can leave no, it No, we weren't and, that gross. Um, yeah. I mean, fair, each to their own. Um, what do they call that? Um, anyway, lotus birth or something. Maybe. So, yeah. but we it just, did. It just dies, does it? Yeah, it drops. It just. So how long, how many it, days does that take? It could take, I think, maybe a week or, you yeah. know, just. So people will like walk around with a placenta on ice down the bottom. With, the, the, baby, with the baby attached. And just let it drop off oh God. Naturally. naturally. So I we can't see you doing that, John. I can't see we do that either. We let it. We we delayed the um, the cutting and and clamping for up to an hour, I think. Mm. So we let all the all the nutrition and stuff go back in because all you can lose. You, well, you can. They can lose up to like seven hundred mils of blood. I think it is. Oh, okay. I think that's what. Yeah. That is yeah, just in the placenta, and yeah. so we so basically like you let it turn white. Everything's drained back into the baby because it's like a toothpaste tube. Like you birth yeah, yeah. it and it's like yeah. the vagina actually clamps it yeah, sort of thing. So it stops all the blood that's in there and it's like that's pushed everything up into the placenta. So we we delayed it. I cut it. Yeah. The midwife went and inspected it, took a photo. That was my first meeting in the placenta. Mm. And they said, what do you want to do with it? And we're like, can you put it on ice? And they're all familiar with it. Mm. They put it in a bucket of ice. So... I walked out. We we were we did a turnstile birth. Um, we in, in the morning, out in the afternoon. Oh, okay. Um, what, so what did it smell like? I didn't smell it. 
You can't help but not smell it. No, well, I, I had essential oils, so and mist. So like the hippie birth, the the hypno birthing is like New age is yeah. like part of that. So like I'm in this dark shower trying to hose off Tish or hose Tish, keep her warm and stuff, and um, relax her. And she's and I'm trying to drop the oils in the bottom of the shower. I didn't know about 30 drops went down and Tish is like trying to just chill out and she's like, can you stop with the fucking oils? <laughs> I was like. <laughs> so there was the smell in our room was very nice. It was yeah, <laughs> delightful. Um, and there wasn't that much blood until after Tish birthed the placenta. Mm. Then there was just blood. It looked like a fucking murder scene. Mm-hmm. I was like, holy shit, like yeah. a massacre. Um, <laughs> Did you have any complications or was that just normal? No, just, no normal. it was just yeah. all normal. So yeah. like the yeah. placenta Detached. obviously plugged yeah. her, for lack of a better word, and so none of the blood flew out during the birthing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I'm like, fuck, we've nailed this this mm. birth pretty well. Like, well, I did nothing really. Um, but, yeah, and then afterwards, like from the journey from the bath to – or from, yeah, the bathroom to the bed, blood just managed to get, like, yeah. everywhere on the walls and fucking, like... Really? I don't know. It was... Oh, it was Something to look forward to, I guess. <laughs> it was weird, man. Painting you a beautiful picture. Um, <laughs> I know. But, I know. Yeah, and then this hippie chick came and picked up the placenta mm. and dropped just sprinkled the capsules. petals everywhere on the way in. We buried our placenta in a place called the Garden of Eden where my, my first wife used to live in a hippie sort of commune. So she was a full-on... Hippie with a job though, which was quite unique. Um, <laughs> but yeah, right at the ba- at the base of Crumbin Valley, and we dug a hole and and planted a tree, and um, that was the first one. The other ones we just planted in a, a pot and planted a citrus. You know, they're quite good fertilizer. Apparently, really good. So we just planted those. You know, in you know pot plants and yeah, we, yeah, froze them and then planted them when we were ready. Yeah, yeah. Did make a did my wife my wife would not go down that path of well the capsules seem to give a lot of energy yeah so to both of us um the i don't think there's many men out there that it's it's aimed for the women uh, and for the kids yeah the whole placenta thing um so but yeah there's not too many men that do it but i felt pretty energized after doing it, after taking the capsules. Is it processed, the placenta, in some way? Do they process the placenta? I think they so, freeze-dry it yeah, and then they smash it up, smash it up. and capsulate it. Okay. And then they put some in the tincture for us as well so that right. we've got a couple of – we've got drops as well if we want to. I had no so, idea. Yeah. I mean, I've heard of people making pie, placenta pies and stuff, but I didn't oh, know no, you could capsulate it. Oh, no, that's fucked up. I wouldn't, don't come <laughs> yeah. around to anyone's house after no. they've had a birth for a pie. <laughs> <laughs> See, is this so, steak and kidney? I've got lots of energy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we feel pumped. <laughs> yeah. um, what's so you dropped Lucy name? So am yeah, I right? Lucy, two my, my two boys, one girl. Yeah, and she was the planned one, you know. Yeah. And that was a different experience because my wife really wanted a, a second. You know, a, her second child would be my third. So I was sort of good with two. Mm, yeah. But my gut told me if we didn't have a second child together that, that that would have been a real wedge in the relationship that would have been that would have just separated us and I mean I've got no regrets I'm besotted with my daughter I think I you know I love I love her with every you know I love her deeply like um 
Not that I don't love my other ones. It sounds strange, but there is some weird thing going on with there is a thing between fa- you know father and daughter. I can't yeah. explain it, but it's you know it just she she owns me. Is she know. a daddy girl? And daddy's girl? Not not in a not in like that I've seen you know like not in a really big way. Yeah. But I we just sort of get on, and my wife gets on probably connects more with her son yeah. and my son. And I sort of understand, I feel like I understand my daughter and she struggles with my daughter a bit more than I do. You know, not 100%, but it's just that connection's mm-hmm. there, just that little bit more of a connection. She may disagree with that, my wife, but I, I just think that's how it just rolls sometimes, you know. Um, and I try not to push that, um, try not to push myself and my kids to have that connection too much, I think. I just wanted to let see what naturally happens mm. and, you know, see what happens as an adult. Um, truth comes out, you know, later yeah. on when they're old, and they're old enough to tell you exactly how they feel, as I experienced a few nights ago. Um, I've lost your question, though. Have I? Have I answered your question? I think so. That's all right. That yeah. happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I get lost all the time. Yeah. But no, no I've a daughter. Yeah. Love her to bits and... It's great. They, they actually, my my two kids get on essentially really well. They sort of play fight, mm-hmm. even twelve fourteen. Um, I think they they wouldn't say they love each other, but I think they do. Um, and um, they they're very different children, different different interests, different energies, different qualities. Um, and so, God, do I. I I have no regrets of having the second one, but there was a bit more pressure on actually procreating with that intention of having one mm. with a, a with a, a timeline in, um, yeah. you know. Like planning it. Planning it. Yeah. <clears throat> and having that timeline where, you know, we don't want more than two years apart and, you know, so it's like I'm not really into I'm not feeling <laughs> it. <laughs> it's like, no, we've got to go. It's time, you know. It's like, fuck. I'm on my cycle now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So go figure. It was the complete reverse, you know, yeah. of what I experienced with her the, the first time. And um, and I wasn't sure, you know. I was like, I'm done. I'm good. I've got two healthy whole children. But, I, you know, if I I wouldn't take the, yeah, Lucy back in a heartbeat. Yeah, because there is part of me that you are rolling the dice with what you get as well, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Um, as I said, hope, hoping for a healthy, happy... Yeah. Um, and I thought I'd struggle with a girl because I'd had two boys, so I was pretty versed in boys and it was like, oh, great, we can hand me down so we can, you yeah, know, yeah, just yeah. upcycle. But, you know, um, Lucy, I feel, is going to really be the one that looks after me when I'm old and senile and, mm-hmm. you know, she's got a caring, considerate... She already is that. You know, she actually... Even though she's two years younger than my son, she's um, just has that empathy and that connection with people. Sort of sees what's happening around her a little bit more, and I think it's a boy thing where he's very channeled. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's his yeah. coding and his gaming, and that's his especially world. at this age, right? Yeah, totally, totally. It's your next next four years is going to be pretty interesting, I'd imagine. Yeah, and look, I didn't do a great job for teenage. My first teenage experience, you know, there were times where we were literally grabbing each other by the scruff of the neck in the house and that's something I'm proud of and I just say, you know, you're going to do say shit and do shit that you're not going to be proud of. It just, mm-hmm. it taps into a part of you 
that dark side and that side that you think you'd never do, you know, say, I never want to be that parent and you before you know it, you're worse than the, whatever you imagined. Some That was my experience and, uh, and um, not, you know, fully, you know, um, I've, I had to go to my children and apologise for my behaviour and I could do better, you know, I should have known better. So um, teenage years are really close Testing. coming by. Yeah. 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 Oh, look, I, I don't know what's, te- you know, I, I try not to, I sound like I might sort of put things in boxes, but I, I struggle with that terrible twos, all these stages that people, you know, it's like, you know, terrific, you know, it's just like it just happens. Whatever happens, happens. And um, I try not to think about um, what's ahead of me, sort of like just day by day. But the thing with teenagers that really helped was I watched a TED Talk on the adolescent brain and they've done it functional MRIs where they can see the brain, what parts of the brain are active or, you know, hyperactive or underactive. And it didn't make the teenage, the first time I experienced teenage years like a breeze and I went, oh, yeah, well, yeah, I've got it now. It, it just made me realise that what my son is going through is natural and normal, that his emotional brain is really, really super sensitive, his frontal lobe where you sort of make you know, good decisions and you think you're thinking from other people's perspective, you know, you know what you were like. You didn't think of anyone else's opinions or a perspective. It was all about you. And all that part of that brain is actually, their brain is melting down. They call it synaptic pruning, where the, it's like, like a rose bush. They're just cutting what branches of the rose bush they don't need anymore and reforming for the new adult brain. So all those sorts of behaviours were unnormal and have been mapped and seen by science and, um, and it just made me think, all right, my, my son's not fucked up, you know, I, you know <laughs> or I'm not fucked up and, and this is normal. And I, I, I branded it teenage spectrum dis- disorder, <laughs> you know. I gave it my own thing because it, they, they will fluctuate from being an absolute angel to crazy, you know, just... You know, and um, but the thing that gave me, as far as teenage years, the the comfort was what people said about my eldest son, now twenty three, out in the surf when he was a surf instructor, and when they saw him surfing, they said, "Your son is amazing. He talks to anyone, you know, and he's great with kids." And I went, "All right, the outside world, as long as he's doing, the outside world sees him as a good person and good human, and what he is at home, we have to deal with, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah." And that just gave me comfort, I suppose. Yeah, and I can imagine because you, your kids were young, you, the two new ones to Alex were young at that, that age, right? So I can only imagine, you know, like, and this happened to me the other day where I was looking after my two <coughs> nephews and they were coming back from a wedding and it was like they were hyped up on sugar and I was like, man, I'm going to kill these kids. Like it's and you do you reflect and you're like man I could have handled that so much better but mm. I can only imagine what it would have been like dealing with a teenager and then two younger kids and then two younger kids yeah. with sleep deprivation as well as managing your work yeah it's and it's something that I think guys need to really recognise that like it just happens yeah but try and catch it and then or at least reflect on it mm. yeah and so that it doesn't happen again. So. <laughs> I think I struggle, I think I struggle with being present. What I, th- I think a lot of us do, you know, just being present, not thinking about 
work or, you know, other things that you have to deal with and being present with your your children. One of the benefits I found when I separated from my first wife and I used to have my son sort of four days on, whatever it was we worked out, was that I, I actually was more of a present dad being a single parent because there was no one else to go, I just look after him in the play and then come back in when I felt present, <laughs> you know, when I didn't want to feel present. And so there was parts of it that was really interesting because I think I was a more present dad when we were separated and then the other side was you got some respite. You got three or four days or whatever the time span was to just be yourself and not be a parent, you know, directly hands-on. Yeah. So it was sort of like wasn't too bad. It was when I added another family into the mix where I was like, all right, he's with us this week, he's not. And, you know, I'm just finding out now through – you know, our first open conversation of what it was like that I think I'm going to hear a bit more how much of a struggle that was for him. But he loves his two siblings, you know. We don't talk half-brothers or sisters, you know, they're his brother and sister. Um, and But it was – I don't think it was easy on him and I'm going to just <laughs> – we're going to unpack that, I think, in the next few months having chats over the phone. And I'm grateful for that, you know. I've mm. just got to – I'd rather know it than not and, you know – yeah, and that's a credit yeah. to you as well, being open to feedback because I know yeah. a lot of fathers wouldn't want to hear that kind of stuff. Well, I said to him actually, I said, glad I know it now, not while I'm on my deathbed. Yeah. Uh, you know, for some people, mm. leave it to the deathbed. And I said, no, because we can build and we sent a text. I sent him a text yesterday and he, he just replied today and he said, yeah, he just looks forward to d- deepening our relationship and I'm just, you know, I'm excited. I mm. I. I think I wish for being close to my children when they're adults and, you know, when they're partnered and they've had children. I really hope that. I can't guarantee it, though. My, I don't know if my kids want anything to do with me when they get older. They'll, need, just, they'll need someone to mind the grandchildren. Maybe. Because <laughs> <laughs> it happens. It will happen. I feel like uh, yeah. now that we've got, well, Phil's had a little, um, my nephew and I've got a baby on the way, my parents mm. are very involved. In yeah. our lives again, yeah, and it, yeah. we kind of separated for a while there to find ourselves and and mature and figure out what's going on in our lives, and then mm. and then add some years, yeah, and then some more years, <laughs> and, then, and then double it, and then come forty two, you're ready to yeah. <laughs> ready to have kids, and yeah, yeah and then, uh, I think I feel like I'm I've always been very close to my mum and dad, and yeah. uh, but and I had to make the effort, and I I love how you said before that you don't pressure your your um your oldest child to say I you need to come and see me, we need to make this time. Mm. Like you leave it up to them to w- want to come and see you yeah. and give them, yeah, not put that pressure on them because that's what, that's what my mum did as well. She's like, I'm never going to be that mum that makes mm. you come and see me. I want I want you to come and see me when you want to come and see me. And I think that's yeah. a lovely kind of, uh, yeah. and that makes me want to see her more, right? It's kind of that reverse psychology. Yeah. Um, step away and then you'll want, you'll want them in your lives. And yeah. I just think, yeah, as you get older and you have kids, you're gonna. Not only do you want them around more, you need them around. Yeah, I mean, I they're my. You know, they would be your greatest teachers, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they're they're your gurus. You know, people are looking for. You know, they they're the guru. You know, and we slowly probably erode some of that guruness through our own you mm-hmm. know influences and the world around us. But they are the greatest teachers. Everyone's a guru to me. You know, but my children have probably taught me more about myself than anyone. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, we might 
uh, wrap it up. But I'd like to finish with, is there any um, final advice or words of wisdom that you would instill in... <laughs> i put you under pressure. <laughs> uh, anything to... to uh, just anything, any advice you'd give any dads out there or that you've... What's the biggest lesson you've learned or the biggest advice anyone gave you um, to being a parent? All right. So I reflect... Look, you can only reflect on what it was like in my, ch- my childhood. And when my dad was on his deathbed and I was flying to Perth from the Gold Coast to Perth to see him and he was not conscious and he was on his way out. And a friend of mine said to me before I left, he said, is there anything you want to sort of talk to your dad about? And, you know, before he goes, you know, clear the air, whatever. And I, it was a good question. And I... I did think about it and had, you know, a good four or five hours and, you know, the, the guys were looking after me because I got a cheap ticket and I got there really quickly and he was still alive in hospital but he was unconscious and and I saw him die, you know. I saw, I saw him pass, you know, and that was probably one of the greatest gifts he ever gave me and um, to see him pass, I could have walked out the room, could have gone to the toilet, he could have gone, but I, he allowed me to see that, experience that. And, you know, um, but on the way to seeing him, I thought two things, two conclusions I came with with that, with that question in mind was I always felt loved and I always felt wanted. And whatever he didn't do and didn't take me to the footy because he worked six, seven days a week, he didn't do a lot of things with me, you know, father, son, because he was working a lot trying to provide me to, you know, to send me to the best school, one of the best schools in Australia. And I sort of went, I'm, I think I'm good with that. I found other people, for other men, other families to do things with, take me to the footy or, you know, drop me off there or whatever. And But I never felt that not once did I feel unloved and not wanted, you know, just like my dad could actually see me eyeball me we could kiss me and say I love you and to the day you know the last conversation we had and I think that's all your children really give a shit about I don't care what they you know car you drive or what house you live and um just to feel loved and wanted like you want them to be in your life is was I think thing that I took from from that as a as a as a son. As a son and as a future father, I went, yeah, as long as my kids know that from time to time I say, I tell you how much I love you or, you know, it doesn't always have to be in words. It's just actions. It can be it's a lot of it's behind the scenes, you mm-hmm. know, that they don't know that you're doing that, cleaning up after them, <laughs> you know, just like sucking it up, just frustrated at all, fuck, but you just go, fine. Oh, Acts of time? service. <laughs> Acts of service. It's like like this morning, every day, you know, it's just like active service, active service mm-hmm. and, and, um, yeah, that's what I'd probably say, just make them feel loved and wanted and you've done pretty good. You've done a pretty good job, a really yeah. great job. Awesome. Great advice. Mm. <laughs> thanks, Alan. Yeah, thanks, um, Alan. Such a pleasure. Thanks for coming in. And, um, yeah, we'll see everyone. <laughs> next do you want to give you th- – Do you want to give any details out for um, – to do contact you... you for anything? Not oh, really. So, so, no, I'm so. good. <laughs> <laughs> Got my hands full. <laughs> Thank you for the opportunity, Just in mate. It's like Ryan Reynolds is listening. Yeah, and wants a massage from yeah. Hugh no, Jackman. I'm happy. I'm happy with any of you guys. I don't. I don't pick or choose. Whatever comes through my door and is a blessing. Yeah, yeah. awesome. Well, thanks. Thanks, thanks so much for your time and, hey. and for coming in and sharing your stories. Thanks for I'm inviting sure, me. Um, there's a lot of valuable information there. 
that um, we can take away. 100%. Distill. Yeah. Thanks, Alan. Yeah. yeah. Thank Appreciate you. it. Nice to meet you, man. Awesome. And see you, everyone. Bye. Bye. Bye.